0: Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcato Brothers Video Game Music Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for joining
0: us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music.
1: My name is Carl Brueggemann.
0: And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, one of our most requested topics in recent years. Yes. The score to Hollow Knight.
1: Man, so many tweets, so many comments, so many emails. Um, so yeah, it's, it's long overdue. This is a Patreon-suggested episode that comes from Mike, so thanks, Mike, for your support, and hopefully you will enjoy this episode. So, as everybody knows, Hollow Knight came out a couple years ago, I think, it originally came out in 2017. It's a Metroidvania game. It was eventually released for systems such as the Switch. Um, this is a game that I, I don't think either of us have had a chance to play this game yet, but... This is a game that me and Joe have been considering checking out and, and trying out at some point, so I'm sure we'll get around to it. We have so many other games that we want to get to as well. Um, but yeah, this score is so beloved and just held in such a high esteem, uh, it seems, with with the VGM community.
0: Yeah, and I think it's because... Uh... It's a very sensitive, beautiful, and atmospheric score. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of music and anything with attention to detail, especially when it's coupled with a great game and sort of an immersive experience, I think people tend to really have a strong emotional connection. I think it's one of the great things about video game music is it has the capacity to sort of imprint on your memories and since in games your agency is like allowing you to make choices and do things the the music serves sort of a different purpose maybe than it does in other forms of media music uh i i've definitely from what i've heard i get a lot of like thomas newman vibes these kind of open fourth and god fifth that's so kind true sounds <laughs> it's very i had that same thought yeah, there's like these delicate kind of textures, and it's very cerebral. Um, it's also, it, it, it seems to characterize a really vast space, which I think is very effective for this kind of uh, terrestrial exploration game. Well, it's also used in a dynamic way in the game, which
1: seems to be more and more a really popular way that video game music is used these days, uh, where music will kind of fade in and out, and uh, I'm not sure exactly the extent of that to this game but i know with a lot of uh video games now um they're able to have multiple tracks simultaneously of music that they can kind of choose when instruments come in and out
0: and so and have different stems that are are faded yeah it's interesting because i think uh those kinds of techniques have been around for quite a long time definitely since at least the early 90s Mm -hmm. Um, in certain computer games like we've talked about the you know scum vm imuse system yeah for Uh, sure and then there's been lots of instances of video games trying to experiment with that kind of technique but now you're right it really has become sort of the norm and what's interesting about it in the context of a show like ours where we have to play a piece of music is that's not really something that's that possible to capture. That yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because I would love to do an episode on the recent Spider-Man game because that music is so stellar because it's yeah, really great. active, kind of more traditional, heroic, you know, superhero film score music, but it also does what you're talking about and it seeks between things. But I feel like we couldn't really capture accurately that sensation just by playing tracks. You know what's funny, Will...
1: How many times has this happened with Patreon suggested episodes where it's a score like this where it really is hard to to truly capture what is maybe special about it when it comes right. to the the implementation? And so a lot of our patrons are making it hard for us, but we're gonna try our best here today. I think we're gonna just, you know, talk about the music, talk about our reactions to this to this music by wonderful composer Christopher Larkin, who's an Australian game and film composer. And uh, yeah, let's just dive into this music and just see see what we think of it. What you guys heard playing in was a perfect way to set the tone. That was reflection. Um, and let's keep going here. We're going to play the first track on the score. So what's nice, this soundtrack, uh, I think it has 26 tracks. And so we only had to cut about uh, seven or so uh, for today's episode. So most of the stuff we're able to include today. Let's start things off with Enter Hello Nest. What a strong way to start off this soundtrack you guys are listening to. Enter Hollow Nest, composed by Christopher Larkin, obviously from the game Hollow Knight. And one thing again, sometimes I feel like I need to make these disclaimers at uh, the top of these episodes. This is not going to be an opportunity to listen to this entire soundtrack. And so, obviously, there's going to be things that we won't be able to hear. Uh, We have both of us, we have listened to this whole score, so don't worry about that. We're just going to kind of try to give our reactions, our take on on this music and get through as much as we can.
0: And the other thing is that because we haven't played it, it does require that this analysis be, for the most part, context-free, which I know Mm. that when talking about medium music, it... It's very important to understand the context because these pieces weren't written in a vacuum. However, I would say that for the most part in video game music, and I think especially most of the games we choose, one of the reasons why we even wanted to start this podcast is almost to extricate the music from its context in the game and analyze it that way. Yeah, I agree. Where on a show like Underscore, we're probably more talking about the music in context. Um, And I do feel like this Hollow Knight music, even with what we were saying, it does sort of stand on its own. You can listen to it and garner lots of different emotional facets from it and also a track like this has a really pretty melody and a really nice very present arrangement you know we talked about the score maybe having a sense of atmosphere but that doesn't mean it's necessarily atmospheric music you know it just has that mood to it
1: yeah I mean it kind of has both elements because I, I love how the Hollow Knight score because it's it, it is very atmospheric and moody but it's surprisingly melodic right um, there's a couple of pieces of music that that feel like they they don't really have a melody in it at all but i would say most of the tracks actually do have a fairly strong present melody so that was something that kind of surprised me when i was first listening to it because i thought i expected what what i was going to get out of it and, and i gotta say that i was pleasantly surprised so that's
0: yeah that's pretty cool This track of all the ones that I've heard has a um, very much the sound of, uh, I wouldn't say modern film music, but just uh, the way that the arrangement is constructed, that is built on this bed of kind of ostinato rhythms, the chords, the... The um, sort of drama of it. It definitely has that sort of modern. Yeah. Those kinds of um, things that, I mean, you hear that kind of thing in rock music and in video game music and everything, but in this presentation with strings in a quasi classical sense, and uh, some of those kind of cadences, like the, uh, there's one in particular where it goes from the flat two to the five. In classical music, that's called the Neapolitan chord. But it's yep. in jazz, maybe you could think of it as almost like a tritone sub kind of moment where you move to a chord a half step away. Um, but that's a sound that's exploited in a lot of film music harmony. Yeah. Um, particularly, think of like a great example is in the uh, Michael Giacchino Star Trek theme. Yeah. Ba, 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 you know, where mm-hmm. you hit this surprising. Chord moment and I definitely feel like Christopher Larkin is exploiting some of Those really juicy Kind of harmonic tensions in this Yeah track. another thing I do want to mention is um, We just wanted to focus on The original
1: soundtrack so there was a follow Up album I'm not sure if that Coincides with the DLC or what Um, But I know that at least on Chris's Bandcamp, there's a a follow-up album. We're we're just playing music from the original Hollow Knight today. So that's something we could maybe look forward to uh, in a future episode to to play more of that stuff. Uh, Let's move on to one of my favorites on the score. Very tragic, very beautiful, and so emotional. This is Dirt Mouth from Hollow Knight. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Dirt Mouth from Hollow Knight, composed by Christopher Larkin. And another thing I was pleasantly surprised with when I was maybe first listening to the score, but especially when I was more intently listening to it this past week uh, to prepare for this, is there actually is quite a bit of diversity. More more than you would expect uh, with this entire soundtrack. There are, there are moments when I, not necessarily in, in what we've heard so far, but... When I was listening to the score, there were definitely moments that reminded me of actually Metroid music and something that would maybe fit in the Metroid series. Sure. Um, There's a lot of different ways that Chris is able to explore darkness uh, emotionally with with this music. This particular track seems to me to be, he was going for
0: something really emotional and tragic that almost makes you want to weep. Yeah, definitely. And there's a, harmonically, uh, this particular composition utilizes like a concept called modal borrowing we've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about music that uses the modes you know whether it's dorian or phrygian mixolydian um whatever uh but this is a track that isn't sort of like nested in one particular mode it sounds vaguely dorian because Mm -hmm. we have the natural six in the tonic chord um yet sometimes it'll go to the flat six chord which is more part of like the modal minor so it's uh, there's a tension built into it that there's this ambiguity as to like what is the sort of stable tonic sound something that I really love is that we get that natural six do <laughs> that, that sort of sound that rub but the melody is also yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. it's leaning on the ninth so we have that rub of the ninth against the third and the root and we have that rub of the sixth against oh, the it's fifth. so emotional it, isn't it? it's very pretty and then i like some of the surprising chords that it'll go to the melody will land to a seeming resolution but then that becomes like the major seventh of a new chord it's a very natural way of um using either non-functional harmony or the sound of like a borrowed chord a, right. a chord that doesn't belong in the key but adds a surprising degree of color That is an amazing piece of music. Definitely one of the strongest in the whole
1: score. I have no idea what we're going to do for track of the week, so maybe we'll have to just decide at the end. But to me, that is a possible contender.
0: Yeah, definitely. Very, very
1: good. It's really pretty. I like all the solo violin stuff. Me too. Let's move on to False Night, composed by Christopher Larkin. Let's take a listen. guys are listening to false night from hollow night and yeah i'm definitely really glad that chris is such a melodic composer um this is a this track is a really great example of that fact because it starts out feeling i don't want to say textbook but we've heard a lot of that climactic modern score media music before um and so i thought i knew what to expect with this track and then when that melody came in Again, it was a nice surprise, but but it, it doesn't let up on the energy and on on the rhythmic drive. Right. So it kind of has it kind of has like a dual purpose. Um, also, overall, one thing I'll say about Chris's work with Hollow Knight is it's all very restrained. I mean, he could have gone yeah. bigger and more bombastic with this, but it wouldn't have necessarily fit. Uh, The tone that he already established So even with the track like this That it is more
0: bombastic It's still kind of this slightly smaller ensemble Yeah, that's something that I I Really enjoyed about this piece Is uh, the compositional Instincts don't necessarily uh, Feel like they're totally um, Being Matched in the arrangement style And that's not a bad thing, I think that's Mm -hmm. a good thing That it's not just kind of I, I think sometimes as a composer Especially when you're starting off um, you don't always know to trust your instincts, uh, because yeah. you have an instinct for oh, a moment like this should do something like this, but then oftentimes you're sort of subconsciously just recreating a cliche that you've identified. Where what I think Christopher's doing here is the this piece of music, like Carl said, this ostinato-driven rhythmic action-sounding music is, is something we've heard before, but maybe not necessarily with this particular quirky instrumentation. The yeah. emphasis on Um, Almost like a string quartet Kind of a sound Or just chamber strings We can make out The individual timbres Of the cello Of the violin Rather than a full String section Necessarily It's more
1: effective Honestly
0: Yeah Because it also It sounds different Like
1: production wise And just sonically It sounds different than mm-hmm. what we would typically get uh, from a modern video game score, and I think that really does go a long way. And
0: it, there's a lot more. There's a lot more context that's earned when you create your own sound in terms of Absolutely. instrumentation and timbre. It it creates a, a a world more where we're kind of trained to just hear the sound of an orchestra is like a mm-hmm. general texture. Well,
1: that's one thing. I, again, I think Chris did a great job of is is the use of how he sequenced this music and the samples that he used and the sounds that he used. Um, they definitely feel new and fresh and they don't necessarily remind me of the sound of other scores. So he did a great job carving that out. Uh, let's move on to personally, this probably is my favorite track in the game. This might be my vote for track of the week. We'll have to see. It's very beautiful. It's called green path. It's also very mysterious. And it's one of those pieces that I think a lot of people, if they didn't know anything about this game, uh, you could maybe Try to trick them that this was a Japanese composer because it kind of feels like it maybe has some something in common with, um, uh, you know, old school video game music. It's just very mysterious and beautiful. Let's take a listen to Green Path. This is such a good piece of music. You guys listening to Green Path, and I think we're already hearing some. Some light motifs, some melodies coming back. We're going to hear more of that. This is composed by Christopher Larkin. And for whatever reason, this reminded me a lot of Chrono Trigger when I first heard it. And maybe that's just me, but I definitely feel some of that kind of secret of the forest energy in this. Um, yeah. I really love this track. I think the melody is very simple, but it's surprising because of how it's harmonized. And, and those chords that, that he lands on yeah. um, make make it feel a lot more evocative. If you just heard the melody on its own, you'd be like, okay, well, there's not much there.
0: Um, but if
1: you, when well, you all add those chords, it's all oh about the gosh. context. Yeah, I the mean, context.
0: A, a a great melody intrinsically needs to be supported by great yeah. harmony. And what's interesting is this is the, a tune that we heard before in the track "Dirt Mouth." but there uh, we didn't move from our tonic chord until a little bit later where the whole right. the kind of palette of this song is the you know the harmonic rhythm is much more contracted and we seem to overall be in more of like a major space so when you have that da 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 You know, when it goes up to the... That that pitch right there that we heard is almost like that Dorian sound in the other track, and it was Mm -hmm. rubbing against that tonic chord. Here, now, that's a moment of arrival at a new chord, and it has this brightening... Uh, magical sound. There's something about this track that's kind of like this bustling energy and excitement Mm -hmm. um, but it's still again very restrained. I, I like that in music where you have contrasting energies you have this energy of like the music wants to grow and it wants to bubble up and get exciting, but it's it's being restrained. I think there's like a built-in mm-hmm. tension there that's really captivating whenever you can do that of kind of have multiple desires simultaneously.
1: Without knowing the, the in-game context, to me, what this is conjuring is a sense of nature and like bustling life, mm-hmm. um, but maybe something under the surface that is maybe a little dangerous. That's kind of what I'm getting
0: from this music yeah it makes me think of like a a turning point like in a game um like something important happens like you're stepping through a doorway into a new kind of world or like a moment of discovery or something because of the way that it's calling back Mm. that theme it, it seems kind of like something really important in a film it would be that scene uh, like, you know, in the movie national treasure where Nicolas Cage is, he steals a declaration of independence <laughs> and stuff, but there are so many scenes in that movie where he'll accidentally, you know, be stumbling and then he'll wait like, what's this? And then he'll see some thing on the back and then they're walking mm-hmm. through some cavern and dusting off. Of, and then there's like that kind of thing that like exciting music of like, we're unearthing a big <laughs> discovery, but yeah. it's not big and loud yet that's kind of what this feels like. That's funny.
1: Well, let's move on to
0: a piece called Hornet, which
1: is another um kind of energetic uh piece of music that is definitely to me reminiscent of what you might hear in uh, a film these days. Uh but it's it's a smaller scale still uh orchestration-wise. Let's take a listen to Hornet. guys listening to hornet from hollow night and this is great yeah i tried my best to to like i said we are able to include most of the music but obviously there's things we had to cut I tried my best to to include every possible vibe that chris goes for um we've already heard a few of them we've heard kind of this similar to what we heard in false night um very intense and it feels like the stakes are raised maybe in this music. We've heard very soft and subtle music. Uh, I think there's at least one piece today where it's it's very heavily ambient and maybe not as much in the way of a melody. And there were examples of those that we, that we cut. Um, there's a handful of, of, of almost purely ambient tracks that, that we cut. Um, and so that shouldn't be surprising. But uh, yeah, this is very well done.
0: Yeah, I I, I like uh, the the meter here that it's sort of um, we we hear it in three, but then it becomes sort of this compound meter at a certain point. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Where you have these duplet subdivisions um, in a in a kind of three meter, but then eventually we do get the triplet sound in there and it has this compound sound. Um, and then there's that moment mm-hmm. that where the um, intensity raises rhythmically, but again, not orchestrationally. We're, we're hearing kind of timbres like piano and strings. It's not necessarily like there aren't taiko drum blasts and there aren't right. big... Kind again, of- it's restrained, you know? It's like
1: almost any other composer... I could have seen them going bigger and going, you know, more intense. And I think what makes this music so effective is that it has this sense of restraint to all of it. It doesn't matter if it's climactic music or soft and, and emotional music. Um, there, there's a through line that I really appreciate. You know, something I'm curious, Will, and this might just be from, you know, kind of a production standpoint that that fascinates us as composers. Have you heard anything here so far that has been real performed or so far has this been it seems like mostly
0: sequenced to me yeah i um i imagine some of those strings are uh there's real real players doing... some of the solo stuff but it's, it's right on that edge where it's hard to tell they're like some which of the... is a good place to be i isn't think it? it was actually recorded but maybe heavily edited like in a post-production way mm-hmm. um and that there are some of those like attack transients that sound a little muddy so it's either really great virtual instruments or um actual musicians that have been heavily kind of like uh, rhythmically edited, or
1: potentially a nice a nice combination of of the of both of them. And the fact that I'm even questioning that and asking that is is a very good sign for Chris. And he did a great job. um I think playing this game. I don't think anyone would would even be thinking at all or, or be distracted at all by that. So it's it's very authentic sounding music. Let's move on. Let's see what do we have next. This, is, this one was a nice uh, change of pace. There is some harpsichord in this piece of music, and it's, it's hard when I hear that in a video game for me to not think of something like Castlevania. And so I did have a little bit of that in my head when I was listening to this, but I'm excited to talk more about what else this makes us think of. This is Mantis Lords. exciting music folks you guys listening to mantis lords this is so much fun composed by christopher larkin from hollow knight um and again it sounds very big and exciting and i wouldn't really want anything more to be added but really if i'm not mistaken you're hearing what at most six different instruments here i think that's it it's a fairly small ensemble still
0: right the sound of the uh the sort of harpsichord pattern, the arpeggiated pattern where you have the sort of pivot tone um, sound, the very old school classical or Baroque organ harpsichord technique. In video games, you know, I think most of us would associate that with something like Castlevania. Bloody Uh, tears. (laughs) The thing that I really like about this track is that I think it's able to kind of brush past that aesthetic and maybe even in a slightly knowing way, Absolutely. yet it kind of follows its own direction and it definitely borrows a lot of other classical influence and the string writing is so authentic with all the kind of uh, repeated notes and these fast, busying rhythms. What I think is important about a track like this or any of the action music tracks, the fact that... Uh, <sighs> I don't want to speak so quantitatively about music, just Mm -hmm. like the number of notes and how fast and busy the rhythms are, because that's not an indication of whether something's good. But I do think it shows that he has the facility to write in a more complex way. So when we get the pieces of music like Reflection or Dirtmouth that are, are very simple, they have these very elemental melodies, these simple arpeggios, it's more atmospheric. I think those tracks have more of weight to them um, because there's this sense of power that's bubbling under the surface that you know can be released at any moment. Well, yeah, and it also
1: makes this even more effective and powerful is because we've been building up to this point. And it is worth mentioning because I will say that if you counted the number of notes in this piece of music, it's more than everything we've heard combined. There's so many notes and so many, it's such a fast flurry Uh, with this piece of music and so yeah it does it does feel very uh almost like it's it's climaxing here definitely awesome stuff let's move on to city of tears Beautiful piece of music. A very special uh, singular piece in the score. This is the only thing in the score that features this vocalist. This is a soprano, Amelia Jones, featured on this track. I think this is my
0: favorite so far. This is maybe my
1: favorite too. It's really good. And I think we were kind of right on the money. I'm looking at some of the crediting here, and there's only two credited musicians um, actually on the score. We have Amelia, and that's only in this track. But then we do have Viola, Uh, by timothy cheel and that's not limited to one particular track so i do think that there's some real viola performance throughout the score but that's
0: about it so apparently all the other stuff is sequenced well great job chris yeah man it's really beautiful and some of that high stuff that we were assuming was solo violin could have been solo viola in its yeah. upper register, and maybe some of that that sound that we were perceiving as like a virtual instrument because it sounded maybe unnatural could have just been hearing the viola the in the extended yeah. register. Yeah, I was really I was cool. very
1: impressed, um, really, with everything in this piece of music. I think that having the voice w- was very natural and angelic. And I, yeah. and I love
0: the performance. Everyone is knows this about me,
1: but I, I love wordless vocals. It's just, it doesn't distract. Um, I mean, it would be absolutely ridiculous to have lyrics in this context, but still, uh, in general, for video games, this is how you should do vocals in games. I think Amelia did a great job. Her, her, her voice is beautiful. And I don't know if there was any sort of tuning or editing done, but in any case, the pitch is just exquisite, very, well, it's very and pure.
0: It's very ethereal, this yeah. uh, sound of a, a soprano in an upper register with a more or less kind of a straight tone. I love it's it. It's something that you don't get in a lot of classical music unless you're hearing like a countertenor soloist. You know, oftentimes um, countertenors or boy sopranos um, in, the, his, in the sort of classical tradition would sing without vibrato, and you could have these really ethereal, light, angelic sounds. Um, But it's actually, I I think it's an incredibly powerful sound of having just this light, airy vocal that's sitting on top of everything else. And I think um, Christopher is very wise about using the power of the human voice in that way to add another level of... Of breath, of energy, of life into this piece mm. of music because I think that's what the voice can do. You know, it, it adds a, a the human element for not to sound cliche or overdone, but like it, it really does. It's the there's this oh, yeah. kind of living, well, it's um, real and then element.
1: as good as Chris did with the sequencing, you just can't you can't duplicate that type of performance and expression. And so that's one thing that really elevates this particular piece for you, Will. Do you think the City of Tears outdoes even
0: Greenpath so far? Yeah, it's definitely between those two for me. Um, I'll have to see how I'm feeling at the end, but this might be my choice for now. Let's
1: keep it in mind. Let's move on to (laughs) a track that uh, is prettier than it sounds. (laughs) This is Dung Defender. This is great uh you guys are listening to <laughs> dung defender from hollow Knight, composed by chris larkin and i love the line that um he's walking in this score because to me a track like this a track like green path and especially we're going to hear something upcoming that that really feels like he's informed um and maybe slightly paying his respects to video game music that has come before i mean it's yeah. it's someone who's definitely informed Of that specific tradition too and he's not always so tied to that and he's definitely going off in in many different directions whether it's classical or film or even something you might hear in a concert hall he's going off in a lot of different directions but this is a
0: piece of music to me It, it kind of reminds me of classic video game music what do you think yeah there's an element of makes me think of like the original star trek on the SNES and yeah. uh with certain rpg elements definitely i think there's a humor to this music um of course. i think that's <laughs> intended uh of kind of like this this heroism this plucky heroism that i imagine is uh contextualized in a uh, um tongue-in-cheek manner um but i I think it works really well and it's a good melody it's all the musical elements are are very strong and i imagine they could lend themselves to the humor really nicely the use of the violin for some of the um kind of percussive elements of the harmony is also very effective at kind of having that humorous yeah uh, i would like to know quality
1: particularly with this one i'd like to know more of the context i mean is this a straight up like silly context or part of the game or um is it a little bit more serious that we might let on based on the title No, i think dung defender is hollow knight's (laughs) love interest oh that's funny all right let's move on to decisive battle Great battle music. You guys listening to Decisive Battle, I love that most of the sound you get on this score has this sense of glue, and a lot of that comes with the way he uses a reverb. He's trying to kind of emulate a concert hall with the type of reverb that you're hearing, something uh, where there's decay... um, but it's like everything is trying to feel like it's coming from one space, which does help when you're having virtual instruments. It, it yeah. helps to sell that a lot. I really like this. Um, he's able to get a little bit of confusion and surprise with the meter changes. Um, mostly a six or a three feel, but he has sections in five, and then he has a section switching from four to five every
0: measure. And so that's
1: one way he's able to get a little bit of that kind of throwing you off off track a little bit uh, musically.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of like anything that has that sort of lopsided uh, meter feeling to it, but can also still have like a, a focal... Melodic element that it isn't purely rhythmic ostinati, it isn't purely an effective mm-hmm. kind of uh, groove based sensation, it also can spin a melody around it. I think it's a very difficult thing to do because melodically we're so trained in meters like four four, three four, two four, either even things or um, th- as far out as people would maybe venture would be like five four. Um, but I think it's, it's rare to find uh, melodies that sound natural and and function appropriately in more odd meters like five seven nine eleven those kinds of things and i i'm always very impressed when someone can navigate that in a way that feels kind of natural
1: well let's move on to possibly the most thomas (laughs) newman-esque track in the game this is great let's take a listen to queen's gardens (laughs) You guys listening to Queen's Gardens, composed by Christopher Larkin
0: from Hollow Knight. Man, that's really pretty. I definitely, yeah, this, this track does give me some Thomas Newman vibes. I think, yeah. any kind of modal piece that uses harp at the center of it and sort combined of combined with, sense yeah, some atmosphere, makes me think of like finding instruments. Emo absolutely finding Nemo. Yeah. or Wally. And,
1: and, you know, it's interesting also hearing some of those and, and I'm pretty sure everything you're hearing here other than maybe the pits instrument was, was that viola. But other than that, I mean, I think a lot of outstanding virtual instrument libraries, even some of those mm-hmm. ethereal soprano vo- voices. Um, it's just a great bed. It, it's a really pleasing sound and it's very imaginative. It kind of gets your imagination going. Um, and it's it just evokes a lot of images even the music itself when you don't know the context it, it's just it's very it just evokes a lot of images so I can only imagine
0: what it's like in game Well and the the harp also, um, musically, seems to, with the, the this kind of melodic, mm-hmm. it has a Gaelic, uh, old, folk, medieval, secular music sound to it that yeah. it almost starts to sound kind of like a lute or a lyre rather than um, a harp. It has a different kind of connotation when you hear it in context of the music. And then, you know, it, a great example for... Uh, a great opportunity for a piece of video game music to use the Dorian mode again.
1: Well, just wait, dude, because this next one is—it's using the Dorian mode in a classic video game way. And to me, that there really, there's no way that he's not aware of how uh, that was used in, let's say, the 16-bit era. I mean, this could be pulled out of Rudra Nohijo, honestly. Um, so this one makes me smile. Let's take a listen to "The White Lady." <laughs> Listening to the White Lady uh, Who I believe is a character that you Come across in the Queen's Gardens uh, This is composed by Christopher Larkin And, and honestly might be one of my favorite Pieces of music in the score It's I know it's so simple and it's Very reminiscent of a lot of classic Kind of Dorian VGM And so it's not necessarily a territory That we, <laughs> that we haven't explored Before um, But I just think it's a great way to To make this fit in um, With you know, the tradition of video game music. I think Chris, again, he walks a great line. Um, There's definitely times when you can hear him being very inspired by film music composers and classical composers and 20th century composers, but also I think video game composers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the quest for Rudra's minds is my favorite track from this game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's quite similar. Uh, I, it's really pretty. Uh, I, I I, I very much enjoy it. And the quest hearing, for the white lady's minds. It's a it's a gorgeous melody. It's very well written, and I think um, I I don't mean to. I, I'm not actually. I was just joking no. We're not that. belittling it. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's really difficult to compose a melody in a very well established kind of idiomatic form. Um, And it's hard to kind of find a genuine way in there. And I think Christopher's really done that. This melody does kind of stand on its own and it feels authentic Mm -hmm. and it feels really beautiful. I think about that a lot of times with like John Williams, let's say, where he's had to write so many like heroic fanfare-esque themes. (laughs) And so many of them, in order to really be powerful, they have to almost just use the like bugle-like overtone sounds, you know, bum, yeah. bu- 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 bum, 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 bum. I mean, that's only in the, the textbook root in the way. Fifth, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, how can you do that so many times and still feel like it's natural? So I'm always impressed when people, yeah, because it's a lot of people think the um, number one ethic as a composer should be to do something different and be individual. But, First of all, to do that and make it something interesting that's actually enjoyable is really difficult. (laughs) To do it and make it anything, I mean, yeah, you could just make something discordant that intentionally frustrates your expectations, but that's not going that that's not really the mandate. I think the yeah. mandate is to create something effective and hopefully if you're able to have it be a genuine expression of yourself and possibly do something that is slightly different than what someone else has done before. That's a great that's a great and, achievement. And
1: and that this score is such a great example of of walking that line where there are plenty of opportunities for Chris to explore a fresh and a new sound. Unlike, you know, specifically what we've heard in games before, but he's also not afraid to, to, if, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like this is a great way, uh, to have a little bit of sense of serenity and peace. And he's not trying to break all the rules and he's not trying to reinvent the wheel here, you know? So I feel like he knows when to, when to push maybe some of those traditional boundaries and then when to kind of exist within them. And so, yeah, awesome stuff. Let's move on to Broken Vessel. You guys are listening to Broken Vessel from Hollow Knight and I, I really like the rhythms of this um, track I think uh, it's very driving and consistent but uh, there are some, some kind of skips and some surprising jumps that I, I really um, was was surprised with and pleased with uh, in this one I wonder yeah, I wonder if some of those kind of double stops Will do you think that that was maybe the, the viola player there or yeah. it's, it's hard to know it's, it sounds good either way
0: yeah, it does kind of sound like the viola because it's not in a, a super low register. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I'd have to go to the piano to to check to see. But th- it's also possible they could have tuned down the viola for some of those passages. Um, so anything's possible. That's a that's a nice piece of music. Yeah this
1: this is actually getting close to that territory where it's more relying on just ambience and less on melody. Uh, there is there's a little bit of a melody here, right. but it's
0: kind of moving to that direction. So I thought I, it was I guess a for me, good thing to explore. I um, when it had that sort of extended, almost electronic intro where it was swelling and swelling and getting yeah. louder and louder, I was really looking forward to what was going to happen. And then when it revealed itself, is it just... Mm-hmm. Just this kind of... Um, I don't know, there's something about that that felt like, oh, another one of these. Uh, I, and not to say that like this is like a redundant place for this score, but I think that it, like not when anything is a possibility, I guess I was expecting something a little different.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I will say that the intro, you know, that, that few, you know, five, 10 seconds with the swelling, um, kind of ambient sounds. Yeah. They, it definitely was setting up something different than what we got in the piece. And maybe that was intentional kind of to subvert the expectations or, or whatever, but, uh, yeah, let's move on. I'm trying to think if we actually were able to include like a straight up ambient piece or not. Uh, I guess we'll see. Let's move on to Kingdom's Edge from Hollow Knight. emotional you guys listening to Kingdom's Edge this is a very strong piece of music in the score and a couple of the tracks that we had to axe that I, if I remember correctly were a little bit more ambient I think one of them was Crystal Peak and then one of them was Dream I believe that those two and maybe there was a few more as well uh, that were a little bit more ambient um, yeah this one when I was listening to it the first time it was one
0: of my favorites um, on the score a uh, nice standout Definitely, I really like it Uh, uh, Something I want to call out orchestrationally Is that melody first comes in And it is flute doubled in unison by the clarinet Which is a Mm. really beautiful timbre Oftentimes you hear flute and oboe kind of in that context But this is a really beautiful sound Because the flute was mostly the timbre that was predominant um, but yet you had a little bit of that pitch variance with the clarinet and uh, it I imagine it came out of like maybe using virtual instruments of having a smoothening effect but slowly it almost faded where the flute got quieter and quieter and then pretty soon it was the clarinet on its own and then I started to hear clarinet double that pitch with English horn and then eventually th- that pairing kind of ended but it was this really neat sound it had Mm -hmm. kind of a french impressionistic quality of orchestration where one instrument sound fades into another and that kind of dreamlike blurring the lines between timbre uh was something that i'd never quite heard in this specific way before Mm -hmm. in one melody line um i thought that was really neat
1: absolutely yeah that's a great piece of music I don't know if anything has topped for me Greenpath, um, but I definitely agree that City of Tears was was exquisite. I don't know if anything has topped those. Let's keep going. This is a piece of music called, Will, would you, I guess I would say Nosk. I don't know how else you would say Probably this. Probably Nosk. Nosk from Hollow Knight. Well, this is one way to incorporate slap bass into, <laughs> into this score. A lot of slapping here. We have slapping bass and slapping cello. And um, yeah, this this is a really cool piece of music. I love how he's using so many different effects and kind of ethereal sounds, but most of it is still within like a...
0: A chamber uh, context Th- right. this is really effective I think Well, that, that slapping sound that Carl's talking about is uh, actually a uh, colenio where um, mm-hmm. uh, the string player basically takes the bow and yep. flips it over and strikes the string with the wooden part of the bow there's a also harshness with a to it a, yeah it has that plucky sound sometimes I've even seen orchestras where they don't want to damage their bow they'll even use pencils like apparently yeah in a lot I've of, seen that in film score when they're when they're doing it um, a colenio passage they'll just use pencils um Mm -hmm. as to not damage the wood of the very expensive bows that they probably have but uh, especially in recorded music when you can kind of adjust levels because the myth about colonia is you think you're going to get that biting (laughs) that kind of plucky sound but in reality uh it's quite quiet so it really takes a full section to make it loud but when you have the advantage to sort of adjust the levels after the fact you can kind of Get away with that sort of sound, but if you actually heard a real, you know, like the beginning of Mars by Holst, the planets, the blum 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 blum, that kind yeah. of part, it's so quiet, but it's kind of quiet for a reason because it's not really something that can be used to give a great amount of volume. It More so it works in the basses and the, the cello for getting more sustained but you try to do mm-hmm. it too high in the orchestra and you almost can't hear the pitch it's so quiet.
1: Well we've had some tracks maybe later on in the score recently where, where it's been a little bit less of an emphasis on melody. Let's move back to a piece that has more of that melodic focus Very beautiful. Let's take a listen to White Palace You guys are listening to White Palace, composed by Christopher Larkin from Hollow Knight, and uh, yeah, this is really bringing the energy down. Um, it is reminiscent of uh, some earlier themes that we heard, uh, maybe even something kind of like uh, Green Path, uh, similar emotion, very stripped down, um, and so it's, it's interesting. It feels like overall, uh, there's a upward slope to the energy
0: in some ways of the score, but every once in a while, things dip down. Yeah, I, I think this would be a nice time. I, I wanted to address something, and it's sort of a conversation that has been... That I think happens uh, sometimes with our show and uh, a, a score like this, where it's so much of the music is context-based. And yeah. I think to a lot of people, they feel like, oh, they're not really accurately reflecting the music because they're not talking about it in context. But here is my the retort that I would say to that. And yes, I think this music it would be best to analyze in context of the experience. But the problem that I would say with that is if you've played through a game or you've watched a movie and you really love the movie or you really Mm -hmm. love the game, in my experience, I don't really trust that person's judgment when they're like, the score is so great. Because oftentimes without the context, I'll listen to it and be like, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I'm not saying that's the case with Hollow Knight. Um, But I think oftentimes our emotional association with a piece of music can really, it can be something real. It can be something profound. But the problem is on this podcast, we're trying to analyze musical artistry. We're trying to analyze pieces of music that can stand on their own, and that's a valid aim. And to yeah. deny that and say like, no, you can only examine music in the context of a game. Yes, in video games, music serve a role to help the game. But music is also a medium that exists on its own, separate from games, and predates games by literally millennia. Yeah, and, and I do think so. that. that- that that ability is is what
1: really excited us to start our podcast, and right. there are definitely other podcasts out there that might explore maybe the context perspective. Um,
0: it's just not necessarily what excites us, the context based. But again, to me, it's like. Wh- what, the problem that I, it's like when I talk to someone about like what do you love about this piece of video game music and they're like well I love when I'm in the lost woods and I get this power up and I'm doing no 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 no, no. I'm talking about the music <laughs> you know what yeah. musically is effective because I can listen to music from games that I've never played I don't understand the context and if it's a beautiful melody if it's well composed yeah. I will enjoy it and I think there's this trend now where people can kind of hide behind like a aesthetic of artistry and all this production and it's very subtle and sleek and immersive and people kind of drink the Kool-Aid because it's effective and they think somehow this is this brainy, brilliant, intellectual masterpiece and sometimes it frustrates me because as a musician and someone who studies this and kind of knows how music is built uh, sometimes I think a lot of that is there's not that much substance there, but people give it all this credence because it's effective Yeah, it's it's, it's over-crediting in that, yeah. No, that happens all the time for
1: sure and there are definitely instances where uh you know something will come out and a score will come out and and people are excited about it and it might just not be something that is a good fit for us on our podcast to explore and and hopefully that is clear why and there's plenty of those examples out there what is interesting is that um i enjoy the challenge of uh, an episode uh not necessarily. Like this isn't a great example because I do think some of this music does stand up on its own, right? Um, but it seems like some of our Patreon suggested topics tend to be, and this makes sense, you know, topics that we never would have thought of on our own, and we never would have really um, added to our own list to do. And I do like that challenge of trying to approach it in a different way and and um, trying to see what we can what we can discuss here. Right. But it is hard with this medium, you know. Even if we had played this game and knew the context of every single piece of music, we're not seeing that and we're not right. feeling it and playing it. So it is it is a very limiting medium.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's the other thing that I want to dispel. I think a lot of people think uh, some of the... We grew up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, and so the games that we... Uh, grew up with that we've played we can share stories about that but I think sometimes people think oh well because you've played this game you'll share that score but you haven't played this so you won't play that and I don't think that's true because I haven't shared some of my almost anything from a lot of games that I've played in the last 10 years because it's not that notable on its own merits as music some of it is but I'd say for the most part music of a lot of western video games divorced from the context of the game is not something that I would really want to listen to to on its own because I don't listen to music in the background I want to listen to it actively what's something that actively engages yeah, I me. would I would
1: argue that a lot of the music a lot of my favorite video game scores uh, may, maybe in the past let's say 15 years uh, I'll say come from games that I've never played so I definitely have no issues uh, being excited and sharing scores. I mean, think about Gravity Rush, never played that game, right. um, but couldn't be more thrilled and excited to celebrate and, and share that music. And so. Well, and
0: some of the classics, we've never played Rudra No Hiho, we've never played Terra Enigma, <laughs> yeah, we've never right. played any of the E's games. I mean, right. that, that that's not the reason why we like or dislike something. We're trying to talk about the music and what makes it salient on its own. And I think the reason why we started this podcast is. Video game music, especially in the past, used to get criticized because the medium in the early days, you know, if you look at a game from 1985, you can look at it as so simple, it's almost like a toy and I think the argument we were making is that the music is the most artful part of this whole experience and it's so much more artistic than people give it credit for and now that you can have real orchestras and there's almost the opposite problem where there's this illusion of sophistication and artistry and I think in my opinion quite often there's less to talk about there's less to digest and to be engaged with than there is in say like the Mario World end credits theme you know, because musically, there's there's so much more happening in terms of melody and harmony. Well, and emotion. so there's
1: there's definitely a challenge. Uh, you know, with the wish with our original intent of what excited us about starting this podcast, there's a challenge uh, when you're exploring modern scores. Is that's that's going to be very rare that that type of music um, will be released, and and there's a reason for that because functionally, it doesn't have to. I mean functionally video game music doesn't have to stand on its own and, and and really why would it but every once in a while it does you know there are there right. are those examples of when it well, does and it, we're
0: just always on the lookout for that well and also I feel like with media music now especially we see this in a lot of film music it's like the art has shifted from the compositional side of things notes on a piece of paper to the production side of things and it becomes oh, more yeah. like you know tonal sound design and I'm not saying that's not valid but it's yeah, not I mean, it's the subjective. same thing is like uh, a melody that you could play on piano and someone would recognize it. And I'm not saying that that is the only kind of music that's valid or worth existing, but you can't deny that there's a difference. It's it's
1: probably more of the kind of music that we happen to really enjoy and get excited about though. Right. Uh, So that is definitely worth discussing. I'd like to continue that discussion uh, in the future because I think it's one worth having. Just a few more pieces left, let's move on to Sealed Vessel from Hollow Knight. You guys are listening to sealed vessel from hollow knight uh composed by christopher larkin and yeah as we move to the end of the episode uh, really the end of the score as well um it definitely feels like there's a sense of urgency as we as we move towards some of the final pieces you hear um maybe more of an
0: emotional intensity in some of these later tracks Definitely. Uh, a lot of this music kind of startles me when I play it because I have my volume <laughs> turned up and it's just like these loud blasts and hits. These hits, yeah. So I have to remember not to keep it turned up so loud at the beginning because I tend to get startled. I startle yeah, very you, easily. You
1: know, what's funny, I, for some reason, what you just said made me think of something. I really like... Um, the, you know, we were just talking about how there's so much of a sense of production now on uh, with a lot of modern score, a lot of media, media music. Mm-hmm. But I really do love the production of this score and how it was mixed and how it was mastered. Everything is very tasteful and restrained. I mean, there's it's not like overly loud too. Um, and I think he was able to retain a lot of the natural dynamic change. Um, and and I think that's really important. I mean, if you would if you would look at the waveforms of this music, I have a feeling it's not going to be completely just blasted and limited like oh, crazy. Oh, definitely not. Um, and I think that it does go a long way to to
0: surprise you. So when the loud blasts come, it, it is startling. Mhm. Yeah, I do feel like it, it is a nice balance because it does have dynamic range, but these recordings also sound quite compressed in terms of having like harmonic distortion in that kind of uh, mm-hmm. the, the sound of, of uh, a compressor limiter. Like you can kind of hear that in the kind of um, the the way that that affects some of the transient attacks yeah. and some yeah, of the timbers. Sure. But it, yeah, the dynamic range is maintained. So it's sort of like the best of all worlds for this kind of thing you can have the highs and the lows but you get a little bit of that polish that grit that kind of closeness or warmth of the polished music production Which I actually think well, is an essential element When you're combining uh, A very select few number of Actual like acoustic elements With virtual instrument samples that's, that's an area where If not treated with extreme caution It can start to sound fake or confusing Or possibly oh, hit sure. the uncanny valley territory
1: Yeah to, For me there's no doubt that What we're going to move on to now Is probably the emotional climax of the score And this is called Radiance um, it's it's really well done Composed by Christopher Larkin What's nice is as soon as we play this piece What we're going to end our episode What we're going to play out with Is bringing everything back down again So let's take a listen to Radiance <laughs> You guys listening to Radiance from Hollow Knight, composed by Christopher Larkin. Amazing job, Chris, on this score. It was not an easy thing to combine so many different uh, traditions and influences and to do it really with only a couple of uh, you know musicians and, and relying on technology in order to make it feel so emotional and, um, and expressive and so great job. We're going to play you guys out with Hollow Knight, the title theme. And again, I, I mentioned that it's bringing the energy back down again, and it's a really nice way uh, to end the episode as a full-circle moment, kind of similar, we started it with that reflection piece, and now we're ending it with, with this title track, Hollow Knight. And, um, yeah, that, that's, for me, the most moving uh, moments in the score were those types of pieces where it was so simple and stripped down, right. and you were really moved by every single choice. So at this point, Will... I think we got to decide. Are we going with City of Tears for Track of the Week? Let's do it. All right. It is official. This week's Track of the Week, City of Tears. Anything else you got at the end, Will? Any other parting thoughts?
0: Yeah, I have a very exciting announcement, actually. (gasps) Uh, Yes. This Thursday, I'm finally going to be releasing my new album of 8-bit chiptunes. Uh, It's called Superstar Squadron. Finally. Uh, It's sort of this uh, made-up... A classic retro space shooter kind of a game it's a project i've been collaborating with our good friend carlos who's been making some Mm -hmm. just unimaginably beautiful art for it um and we've been kind of conceptualizing the game and sort of the mythology and lore and stuff all together Mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to be a 17 track album of all 8-bit chiptunes tracked on fammy tracker good guys Uh, yeah i cannot wait for people to hear that You've, yeah. heard, you've so I, heard a decent
1: w- amount on various original showcases, guys.
0: Yeah, I, I took a little bit of a different approach with this one. I'm using the FDS channel, so it's not yeah. kind of just the three NES channels. And I think I, I went for more of a bombastic production approach, um, things that weren't necessarily my aim for previous projects. But I'm really excited with how it's turned out, and I'm Dude, super I'm so excited, excited to share with everybody. So I think our plan is to have a listening party on our... Um, Marcado Brothers YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, uh, the night that it comes out. So you can uh, stay tuned. We'll probably post stuff on Facebook about it and in our Discord channel. So I'm really excited. Yeah. We'll
1: let you guys know specific timing. Most likely, I would guess either eight or nine, maybe nine ish o'clock Central. We'll let you know the details. But yeah, the 12th. So if you're listening to this on day of release, it is this Thursday, which is also Will's birthday. So how fitting. <laughs> you can give him a shout out at the listening party. All right, guys. We're going to play you out with Hollow Knight. That's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann.
0: And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace
1: out.